0: Welcome back to another episode of Checking In. In studios with me today, I have Jennifer Turton Molgat with The View Winery. Hello. Thank, so thank happy you to be much. here. Thrilled to have you. Uh, I didn't pre warn you uh, what we do in, in here. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's our chance to take a peek under the hood and just let questions naturally appear uh, as we're just having a conversation. So, from one business owner to another, and uh, mother to another, <laughs> and and woman entrepreneur. I love, love, love a little bit of history because I did some digging and I can't find a lot on you, <laughs> which is maybe on purpose. Uh, so I found, studied uh, English literature, mm-hmm. and I... Uh, and I found five generations of owning the land. So I'm so, so curious about Jennifer.
1: Well, it's funny you say you can't find much on me. I constantly suffer from a little bit of imposter syndrome because uh, here I am uh, running a business and uh, business is not in my background. Uh, Uh Although I did find an old high school annual a few days ago, when I was decluttering uh, one of my, our rooms, and there, in my little write-up for my grade twelve, you know, graduation oh, write-up, this. yes, it said that I uh, will be pursuing uh, an MBA and looking uh, very forward to um, pursuing a career in business. And I'd forgotten about that oh. uh, because I uh, I had been told for much of my life that I was going to go to law school and um, and then, of course, I rebelled against that because I was told that's what I was going to do. Um, and so, big, long, kind of circuitous route. I eventually um, ended up uh, going into education. I love children. I love teaching. And I was an educator, um, grades three, four, five, six, and seven, for five years. And then this family opportunity uh, presented itself, and. Um, I kind of rolled up my sleeves and thought, well, I'm going to start this winery. And I kept my teaching job at the time, but I also had two young children. And um, in the end, as the winery sort of took on a, a life of its own and required much more of my time, I had to let the teaching job go. So. But I still find myself teaching a lot in the industry that I'm in because people love to learn about wine and wine and food pairing, and uh, so often when our guests come to our winery and I'm hosting them, they often say, wow, you you make that so interesting. You, you explain that so clearly. And I think, well, I a little bit of training in that department.
0: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay, so Jennifer, I didn't know, uh, and I should have known, I didn't know that you started the View Winery. So, five generations yeah you own your family owns this huge huge plot of land
1: yes we do so we have over 100 acres up in southeast Kelowna that originally my great-grandfather um planted into apples. great granddad yes, ward, ward which is why we also um, um, one of our products is ward cider mm-hmm. um That land eventually went into my great uncle's um, uh, name and they were managing it. And then from my great uncles went into my father and his brothers um, uh, under their, uh, they owned it. And then my uncle and my father kind of went separate ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father continued on with the property and uh, the the apple industry, the fruit industry went through a very, very difficult time. in Sort of the 1980s, uh, 90s my father is a real fighter and um honestly he um he's an innovator and he decided that we needed to start doing making some cider with these apples that now weren't worth that much money so he he started planting cider apples and he uh, made a relationship with a large brewery in um, alberta i'll just say and convinced them that they should have cider on their portfolio And uh, so we started this project with them. Now, of course, he didn't have a winery license on the land. He uh, then had to invite a third party, uh, a winery, to make his apple juice into apple wine, which then went to the brewery to become cider. Of course, the deal was kind of loosely put together. Okay. The third party winery involved uh, became insolvent the party that took that company over had no interest in the cider project. And so now my father and this brewery in in Alberta had this amazing product that was taking off, but now they had nowhere to make it. So um, my dad basically said, "Hey, um, I know that uh, I've always been a part of the hospitality industry. I love wine and food and, and culinary." He said, "I know you, you're sort of interested in, you know, in the in the wine making world and um, possibly the cider making world. Um, we really need to get a winery license on the family property. Um, I want you to make that happen." And. Um, I thought, okay, this is a great opportunity. I can't say no to this. So we did. We, I went and got all the licensing in place. Uh, my father and I got uh, some rudimentary equipment in place, tanks, etc. cetera, uh, then we had to find a, a cider maker. Now, cider was not cool. This is in 2006. It wasn't a very cool thing, so it was very hard to find a winemaker, an enologist, that's their, that is their schooling, enology, very hard to find one that would make cider. Because cider was not cool, was not didn't wasn't deemed not sophisticated, trendy. not yeah. trendy. So we had to promise that particular winemaker that we found that he could also make some quality wines, and we will start a wine label. And that's how it started.
0: Okay, so let me <laughs> reiterate back to you what I think I heard. You're a school teacher. Yeah. You have small children. Yeah. You're married. Yeah. And you're going to, a, a knock comes at the door, and it's family, fam- we do this in family, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. Can you do this? And you nod, you, yeah. you pause and think for a second, and you're, gonna, you're going to get a license for a winery on the land. Correct. N- y- you don't, y- there's no playbook that tells you how to do this. You're going to no. figure it out. You just okay. figure it out.
1: That's where, that's where my education background comes into play, because regardless of what kind of a degree you have, any kind of university degree, I feel, gives you the skills needed to problem solve, to be investigative, to learn, um, to do what has to uh, be done to meet deadlines, um, even just communicating with the government officials and getting the licensing through. I feel that all of the skills that I gained in my education degree and my degree prior to that really um, gave me the skills that I needed to get the job done. Okay, so that's
0: 2006. 2006. Mm -hmm. When did you get licensed?
1: So that was 2006. We started. We literally had fruit starting to drop uh, and freeze, actually, on the apple trees that November, and then finally we got our licensing in place. And this is how... um, I didn't really know much because when the liquor inspector came up and finally said, okay, you have your final approval, okay, let's get the press running, let's do this, he said, you know, You're awfully nice. I've been to many facilities where they already have rooms full of of product in in cases and they don't even have their license yet, so kudos to you. You've followed the rules. You've followed the rules. But you know what? You follow the rules and people respect that and they're pretty nice to you. So over the years, the um, liquor control and licensing has been really nice and good to me and I think it's because I was
0: good to them. It goes both ways. So Jennifer, that's interesting. I didn't know, and and I didn't, I didn't know it was startup that you took it from. Mm-hmm. So so how how did you start your day? Like there there's a transition. There's I'm still teaching. I'm still a school teacher, and then I'm doing this off the side of my desk, and I begin. At what point, um, or did you even set? metrics of achievement that you had to do this, you had to um, achieve this, at what point did you realize that you guys had something?
1: I'll be honest, from metrics of achievement, um, in the early days, there were, there were no metrics of achievement. There was survival. We already had mm. a contract in place with this brewery and we had to make this much apple cider Period. for them. That had to happen or the entire project would be lost. So it's like, there's no metrics of achievement. We didn't have a ton of startup money. You just get in there and get your hands dirty and make it. I mean, that first year it, I, I was making the apple cider with one other individual, the winemaker, and, um And we had our orchard manager would come in and help with the tanks. And there, there was nobody really. We didn't have a lot of infrastructure in place. So you just get in there and get your hands dirty. And when people see you getting your hands dirty, they respect that and they're more inclined to really toe the line for you and just help you. So many people helped me. So many people in the wine industry helped me in the early days. Um, St. Hubertus, Leo and Andy Jabert, they were like open arms, look at our footprint, look at our equipment, see what you need. You know, Um, Summerhill, even in the early days before we had our own bottling line, they bottled product for us. Intrigue Wines, Roger Wong, he was ah. incredible. He consulted and became my very good friend, and we're still very, very uh, close with Intrigue and, and uh, partner with them. Uh, in the early days, we partnered with them quite often. They still get fruit from us sometimes, and just make really close friends. And most people, if you're, if you're not afraid to show your, your vulnerability, vulnerability. Um, they will help you. And I was just amazed at how generous people were with their time, their knowledge, and sometimes even their uh, resources and equipment.
0: Jennifer, I feel so lucky. Yeah, and and, it's an incredible story, and and one that I think is is maybe maybe uh, common in the community. And I don't know if it's because of the size of Kelowna oh, or yeah. where you came into. I
1: think it was a lot, a lot about timing. I think I think there was a lot of luck. I'll be honest. I think I was lucky.
0: I hear that often from entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and that's that. Um, we say that it was luck, yeah. but it's an awful lot of sacrifice and hard work. Yeah,
1: I do think to a certain extent you make your own luck, but mm-hmm. um, but I think it was lucky, and it was good timing, and I think now the wine industry and the cider industry has changed. It's much more competitive, and I don't see quite as much collaboration as there used to be a decade yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. are a little bit more sort of holding their cards a bit closer to their chest, and and a uh, little bit more protectionist. I think that's only my feeling, but
0: so is there anything uh, you would looking back, looking in the rearview mirror now at the the journey from two thousand six to today to today, is there anything you would um, want to have yourself do different, or was there a lesson there that was a maybe that was a harder learning lesson than than another?
1: I honestly feel that everything that happened in my journey happened for a reason. Some of the things weren't perfect. Um, At the beginning it was hard sometimes to get the perfect employees because Mm. we were not perfect. Uh, We didn't have a brand new shiny building. We were operating out of great-granddad's old apple packing house. (laughs) Um, and so we had a few people come on board that were, you know, they weren't always perfect people but they were willing to share in the dream and they were willing to get in there and, and get their hands dirty and do the job but um, there, there have been some messy situations over the years uh, with maybe less than perfect people in place but, but you know, That's people come and learning. people go mm-hmm. and I would say that every person that has come and maybe left for whatever reason or been, been asked to leave, every single person has contributed to the success of the mm. company because everyone comes in and they've, they've made us just a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and it's kind of like the old thing, if you build it, they will come. Once you get to a certain um, level and you've improved your equipment, you've improved your facility, you've improved your systems, it's so much easier to attract uh people and employees that have a little bit more experience a little bit more depth a little bit more reliability it's easier now but back then not so easy Mm -hmm. um honestly uh, this isn't this, this is a bit crazy this sounds crazy but one of my our very very first um employees um it's awfully personal I think I won't share that.
0: You do not have to th- share it. I think I
1: won't share it for yeah. her sake. Yeah,
0: yeah. But
1: I will just say this. She was so wonderful, and her nickname was Crazy. I'll, I'm going to give her a different name, but her name was Crazy Cheryl, let's call her. People would call her Crazy Cheryl because she was a bit crazy in a wonderful way. Eccentric. But she yeah. was just eccentric and crazy enough that she... She'd, she hopped on board, even though it really looked dreary in the early days, because again, our building was old and it, it looked like this was a long shot. She hopped on board and, and she shared in the dream. And I remember her saying, There is so much potential here with her cute little French accent. There is so much potential here. Um, but then I couldn't get anyone to work with her because she was too eccentric. So that was the problem. And but, those are right? those are that's challenging.
0: So when uh, what year was it that you stopped teaching? So in 2007,
1: I continued, I went, I was job sharing at the time because my, my youngest child was just a, 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 she was only two years old at the time. So I was job sharing, I job shared for two years while getting the winery going, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I phoned the superintendent of schools and said, look, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm not being good. To anybody um, and uh, he kind of discouraged me he's like hey, hang in there you can do this he says I have five children I was like wow <laughs> okay <laughs> I have two and it's quite a bit and this this winery is really taking off and I'm so sorry but I had to give up my position which was hard but it was the right thing to do yeah
0: so that's that's impressive though Jennifer if you and again I get to I I have the privilege of speaking to so many different businesses through the years and 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 like to have something reveal itself with great potential mm-hmm. in a year year and a half like that's mm-hmm. that's quite an accomplishment that's impressive I think so 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 you you you're now all in Yeah you're you're all in and focused were there um, this this businessing that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you take night courses? Again, I'm, I'm hearing you had some great mentors yeah. in the sector and in yeah. the industry. Definitely did there. you, uh, was it um, uh, University of Hard Knocks that you're learning from? Running a business is so much more than just realizing an idea or mm-hmm. having an idea come to fruition. There is there is HR, there is financing, so reading financial statements. Mm-hmm. How, how did you do that and was it just learned as you went along?
1: Yeah, so as far as the actual practical making the product, mm-hmm. um, I found the best people I could who were good at that and mm-hmm. I deferred to them. gave them sort of ownership over that and you make the stuff you tell me what you need yeah and and um, in the early days we didn't really have a budget even for seller hands so I would I will give you the support I would give physical support I would be there making the wine and the cider with them and um, Mm. but they were the ones that knew their stuff they knew how to correctly ferment the product and keep it stable and so get first thing was just get someone in who knows what they're doing and then support them yeah. the best that you can. Um, again, we didn't have a big budget, so um, and we really were lean on what we spent our money on. Um, we didn't spend money on bells and whistles. We spent money on things that either made you money or saved you money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So equipment, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, in the early days, all money went into proper equipment because that's really important to make a quality product. Um, and then as far and then once we had that's the cider end of things once we had the wines in bottle and I was now having to sell and market the wines well you need to make sure that you are walking the walk and talking the talk when you're marketing these things so yeah I did take night courses uh, sommelier courses um, just to learn more about Mm. uh, sensory perception and wines in general wines of the world uh, how to write about wine how to sound like you know what the hell you're talking about. A <laughs> uh, so. um, little and, bit of fake it till you make it. Oh, big time fake it till you make it. And um, lots of just anything I could get my hands on to read. Just read, 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 read about it. Read about wine, yeah.
0: So uh, were, um, did you did you move into a position where you could no longer take sales and revenues to replace equipment or to to upgrade equip, equipment to get you at a different level? Did you have to turn to financing and banks? No. You, you did it all? No, we
1: really didn't. And we just, we we grew in a very um, real yeah. way. Like our, our growth authentic. was really dependent and authentic on uh, basically well, what money was coming in. and. The difference with a family-owned business, a multi-generational family-owned mm-hmm. business, and I would say some of the other wineries and maybe cideries in our region, um, we're not building an asset. So if you're building an asset, you're not so fearful to go into extreme debt. Oh, I don't know about extreme, but debt, sure. because you just build that into your business model, and you know in the end that you're going you're to sell, sell. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's not our model. We've been on the land for five generations. We will hopefully be there for another five generations. Um, That's sort of what we are and who we are. And so we have to build a um, viable business that, um, that will be here for years to come. So like I say, we're not about the bells and whistles, which is one of the reasons we're still in our great big old vintage apple packing house, turns out shabby chic is cool. So we're rolling with that. (laughs) (laughs) And then as far as marketing, well, how how best to market oneself than to stand apart from the crowd? And so one thing we are is authentic. And um, so we really, really push our uh, authenticity. And the fact that we make wines only out of what we grow Mm -hmm. um, does set us apart. A lot of wineries and cideries, that's not necessarily so. They'll buy their their fruit from elsewhere and bring it in Mm -hmm, and make mm -hmm. wine so we really push the old authentic building the fact that everything is grown uh produced um packaged on our land and um that's that's how we've done it and no we haven't gone into a whole bunch of debt
0: (laughs) so the the hope is that one or both of the girls Will take the baton from you?
1: Well, I don't know that they will, and I'm not pressuring them Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, One of the comments was, Mom, you work way too hard. (laughs) We don't want to do that. (laughs) That's that's from the mouth of a teenager. Um, But it's been really exciting for me because... my two of my nieces have been very involved, uh, and my nephew uh, Lucas has been very involved, and so I do see the younger generation stepping up and kind of going, you know what, this is a pretty great opportunity. So, and I love
0: yeah. that. I love that because, again, even as I as I look at our company and our business, yeah. when you see the kids looking over mm-hmm. the entrepreneurial fence, and they're yeah. like, the grass is kind of green over yeah. there. Uh-huh. They they recognize and see the hard work but they also see the vision and the future and the opportunity and so. and maybe how they can add their peace i'm hoping of so. their vision i think my it.
1: daughters are too young still they're, they're they're teenagers and they they still need to go sort of stretch their, their wings sure. and, and or whatever that saying is yeah, yeah, you know and, and do their thing but i hope that maybe they'll come back to it but definitely the nieces and nephews have shown interest and um it also resonates with them when they when they say, "Oh, you know, our family has the view winery, and um, and Ward cider, and people respond to that, yeah. and and that makes you feel good. Sure, so I think pride. that there, I think there's pride in that, and I do think that our whole family feels that pride, and I think it's really exciting. Yeah.
0: So, do you have a, a- a board of directors we do my siblings
1: are all my all are all shareholders yeah so my father still um sits at the head of head of the board um and my siblings are all my shareholders um they're they're not involved on a day-to-day basis necessarily my sister's quite involved she um uh she's sort of my i lean on her a lot um and uh, so she's doesn't have a title, but she's, she still lends
0: a lot of support to me, yeah. So I think that's fascinating, too, in that, um, that planning piece. Mm. I think, anecdotally, when we think of the legacy that we're gonna leave, we think, within our lifetime, mm-hmm. and, and you have... Um, Three I, siblings,
1: so four of us.
0: So, you have yeah. the ability to have a legacy that will far exceed yeah. uh, your lifetime. I hope
1: so. <laughs> I hope so. sometimes when I'm you know been there for twelve hours and i'm uh, <laughs> and I've you know literally just been raking the front walk because because the guys are too busy harvesting the fruit, and you know, I do it all, and I love our building and I love our premises and i and and I do sometimes think. Who's gonna love this as much as I do? I do think that way sometimes. I'm sure somebody will,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love I that. hope so. <laughs> um, Jennifer, is there anything that you would say, and I, I, I really, I wanna draw on that teaching uh, passion. Mm-hmm. Being an entrepreneur isn't easy no. Um but it's so so rewarding and fulfilling oh, and amazing. It really is. Uh, is there anything that you would say to someone that wants to come into this sector now? And and again, I I think you you said it earlier, it is different. Mhm. Yeah. Uh 20 years ago there were 50 wineries in the province or 30 wineries in the province. There's hundreds and hundreds. Over 300 and now. And mm-hmm. that shift we're seeing in um cider's mm-hmm. and and the I love the and I'm I'm not very uh alcohol knowledgeable. Um, um but I I love the the article I read on you on um wine bubbles in yeah, Canada can. and yeah. So What do you think you would say to someone that wanted to come into this industry or this sector? Any advice you could give them?
1: Let me think about that. I would say that be ready to um, uh, constantly be reinventing, not necessarily Mm. yourself, Mm. but in this ever-changing, crazy world, Product development is so important. Mm. So um, if you do get into the winery industry or the cidery industry, be ready to, and this word is totally overused nowadays, but be ready to pivot sometimes because things change quickly. So I'll give you a for instance. About three years ago, the cidery industry, brewing industry, and the wine industry um, uh, were really affected by the ready-to-drink uh, soda beverage category of, okay. of beverages. So we're talking like the, the nudes and the pures and all of the cocktail beverages, ready-to-drink category, it's called. Okay. So the brewing and cider industry saw about a 30% decrease in sales. That's significant. It's significant, Huge. yes. And I think wine industry, BC Wine Industry, saw about, uh, I think I don't know, I think it was around 20%, but okay. I am, it large enough. Yeah. So... You can sort of, you know, put your head in the sand and go, whatever, we're just going to keep selling our products. You know, people will change, they'll come back to us. Well, not necessarily so. the the new, I would say new consumers are quite fickle. They're always looking for what's new, what's different. You know, in the old days, for instance, when you and I were in university, you would see Kokanee and uh, yeah. Labatt's and, and all these companies mm-hmm. yeah. uh, at the university sponsoring things because they were trying to make these students loyal to their brand. And then they'd be lifelong Kokanee drinkers or lifelong Canadian drinkers. Well, that's not how the consumer is anymore. They're not loyal to a brand for more than...
0: Eternity. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah right. So. Um, be ready to pivot so be ready to do something different bling sparkling wine in a can um is what we've we've one of the products that we've come up with um we also have realized that consumers want a lower calorie product with the Mm -hmm. soup with the nudes and the pures and the soda beverages so now we do a tea infused cider lower calories um we realize people want cocktail beverages so now we have cocktail ciders we have a negroni we have a mimosa so uh, i'm really fortunate our winemaker christy french is her uh, instagram handle is wonder wine woman and she really is (laughs) she really is wonder wine woman super artistic super passionate but she's always coming up with a neat idea what if we did this what if we did that so she's uh she's an aussie and i don't know if that makes a difference but she is not set in her ways she is so able to she has her core wines that she really takes a lot of pride in super high quality but she's not afraid to then have some other things as well and uh, i'm so thankful to her so that's such a long story but anyone coming into the industry just you know you can't just rest on your laurels you need to be constantly innovating and looking innovating. at product development for sure
0: well jennifer thank yeah. you so much for coming My in partner. and sharing your story i feel story. like we could talk for hours i enjoyed it <laughs> i'd like to hear much. your story one day i'll bring you back You can <laughs> we enjoy need to do me. the reveal
1: okay that sounds like uh, a good plan i
0: like it thank you very much <laughs>